All right, y'all. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to The Journey of a Black Elephant. Guys, we are back with episode three, which is entitled Blue Lives, Black Bodies. Guys, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. And if this isn't your first time at the rodeo, welcome back. So before I jump into this episode, full disclosure, this episode is very polarizing. So, you know, there's that. And as far as words go, there will be a lot of explicit words being thrown around. So if that's not your cup of tea or you have kids nearby, you've been warned, right? Um, This is definitely not an episode that you want to listen to around the little ones, um, unless you're that open with your kids. If you are, then more power to you. Um, But with the explicit, may not be the best episode to have them tune in on, right? So... Guys, this episode for me, I feel like is very needed and it's really one I'm willing to go down with the ship for. Because <sighs> right now we have the fight for social for social change going on and I hear so much nonsense and so many things that are so far from the truth. Um, I want to take today to displace some of those lies and some of those myths that you hear and there will be. And there will be things that, you know, you'd be like, wait, is that true? Yes. Anything that I ever give you guys that has been looked up, I have researched it and you can look these things up too. Never take anyone's words for facts. Do your own research, come to your own conclusion, think things through, gain new perspectives, right? That's what your journey is about, is learning, right? You can't just take information from one source. And even if you do take it from that one source, fact check them, right? Because that's the problem. You have the media that tells people the masses at that, all of these things. But if you go back and fact check, half of that stuff don't even be true. But anyway, but let's go ahead and jump in this thing, y'all. So since the protest against police brutality have begun, and now we're talking about defunding the police, I am seeing so much toxic shit online that sometimes I really just want to delete all of my social media accounts and say, fuck it. Because if it's one thing I hate having to deal with, it's ignorance, right? And right now it seems like ignorance is the new norm and I swear it is breeding at a rapid rate. (laughs) Like I know you guys have probably seen the videos or the comments and people out here just wilding out, coming out of pocket. And you hear and you read these things. And sometimes I have to read it twice or look at it twice to make sure that that's really what I read is completely nuts right now. And, you know, one thing I keep hearing that people love to say when they hear Black Lives Matter, and this is beside the All Lives Matter thing, this little ugly myth just loves to keep rearing its head, right? Well, Carmen... More white people are killed by the police per year. Well, when you just look at the numbers that's posted online, it does indeed look to be that way. But if we do some basic math together right now, guys, feel free to do this with me while I say this out to you, okay? And shout out to Jolly Good Ginger on TikTok for explaining this to the masses. But... I'm going to explain it to you guys here now. So get you a piece of paper and a pencil. Let's do some basic math. So there are 191 million white people in the U.S. and 92 million black people in the U.S. 
right? So if we take 191 and divide it by 92, you find that that number is 4.55, right? So there are 4.55 more white people in the U.S. than black people, okay? So are you guys still with me so far? Okay, good. So in 2019, 370 white people were killed by the police. Now, if you were to take 370 and divide that by 4.55, we get the number 82. Now, if the numbers are really equal, that's how many black people should have been killed in 2019. But in fact, 235 black people were killed by the cops. So now if we take 285 and divide it by the number it was supposed to be 82, we get 2.8. Seven. Now, we all know the rounding rule, yes? So if we round up 2.87, you get three. So black people are actually being killed at a rate three times higher than white people per capita. Did you guys finish out your math problem? And see, people love to say that we don't need math after high school. <laughs> yeah, you do. So that like, displaces the entire myth that there are more white people killed by the police per year. That number isn't right. We're still being killed at a faster rate, and that's a rate three times higher. Guys, you have to look at the numbers. You can't just look at a graph and be like, oh, look, that's what the we're, white people are being killed more by police. Look, it says it on the graph. Do the math. All right. With anything, honestly, when it comes to the African American population or black population, however you identify, um, when it comes to the numbers, you have to remember we're only 13% of the population. So if you take those numbers head on, it does not equal out. You have to do like I just did and really yield the real number. Because if there was the same amount of white people and black people in the U.S., let's just go with 191 million, then yes. We would be like, okay, we're being killed at the same rate, but that is not the case, okay? So please stop saying that more white people are killed per year per capita because it's absolutely wrong, okay? So that's myth number one gone out the door. And honestly, besides the fact that black people are being killed at a rate three times higher, it should really enrage you that the final tally in 2019 was 999 people. Once again, if we round that up, that's a thousand people that the police killed in 2019. Cops aren't the judge and jury, but lately we've seen them become judge, jury, and executioner. And what's sad about that is we've seen suspects, mass murder suspects, right, taken into custody with no harm. And then you had the rumor that the police even stopped the young man who shot up an African-American church. They took him to Burger King. Like we heard that rumor, right? Or there was a picture that went with it. So, you know, you see that, but then you see unarmed black citizens gunned down for holding a book. And it's like, oh, we thought it was a gun. What? If y'all think that the rate that people are killed by the police per year is okay, you may really want to look at yourself because you may be part of the problem, but let's move on, right? So now, Let's address all lives matter. 
Carmen, what, you don't agree that all lives matter? Of course, I agree that all lives matter. But right now we're talking about black lives. And at no point did we say only black lives matter. That's never been a thing. Let me ask you a question. Would it have been better if the slogan was black lives matter too? As in also, as in addition to? Probably not. I'm sure somebody would have found a way to be mad at that, too. But to say all lives matter when you know people are fighting for equality and justice and trying to change a system that constantly discriminates, constantly sets the doors open for men and women and children to be killed. Honestly, that's just as bad as you going to a breast cancer awareness function, standing on one of the tables and shouting, all cancers matter. Well, yeah, you're right. But right now we're focusing on breast cancer and the lives that breast cancer claims every year. See how that correlates? Nobody is saying that one is more important than the other. But what we're saying is right now, this is a focus that we're trying to hone in on. Okay, so got that. And you know what? To be honest, <laughs> y'all wild as fuck. And I'm going to tell you why. Because y'all shout all lives matter, but there have been families and children locked in detention centers in cages with humane, inhumane treatment and COVID rapidly running through these detention centers. But um, I don't see y'all with the all lives matter flag at these detention centers. All lives matter, right? We've had reports that there are Muslim concentration camps in China. I don't see y'all with the all lives matter flag there either. So you know what that tells me? The phrase all lives matter was created strictly in response to black lives matter. How fucked up is that? But let's, <laughs> let's keep it going, right? So then we heard when the protest and the rioting was happening, we heard Carmen. Well, they shouldn't be rioting. They're making the whole black lives matter movement look bad. Why is it that we don't spend this much energy on rioting and looting when white people riot and loot as well? And they they rioted for way less than trying to change racism in our country. It's like, oh, look, they rioted after that football game. Huh, OK, so what else happened this week? <laughs> if you do not believe me, go type in white people rioting at their football game. And Google will show you all the images you need to see. And, you know, where was the National Week-long media coverage on that? There wasn't any. And that's the problem, right? But then you'll hear, well, if they would protest peacefully, uh, hell, we did that too, started in the 60s. Martin Luther King was the leader of that, but he was killed too. Like, he was gunned down for being the leader of a peaceful movement. Colin Kaepernick, trying to bring more awareness to racism and social injustice, he lost his job and was blackballed for protesting peacefully. And after years of marching and peacefully protesting, what's changed? Nothing, because I'm still fighting the same fight that they was fighting in the 60s. So not a damn thing has changed. But you know what's very interesting to see? The minute Minneapolis turned that city upside down on its head, 
they arrested the officers that killed George Floyd. But you want to tell us to be peaceful? And it's very, it's unsettling that that's the picture that has to be painted to seem like that's what we need to get something done. <laughs> Y'all think about why that is, seriously. All right. And then this one here. Oh, this one grinds my fucking gears. Well, Carmen, what about black on black crime? I mean, you guys say black lives matter, but what about Chicago? This gets thrown in conversation all the time. And it really like y'all, it pisses me off. I hate when people jump to that. Right. Let's start here. Every race commits crimes against each other and really is at the, a similar rate. Once again, you can look this up, but don't forget the numbers I gave you earlier, okay? Don't forget those because you're going to have to use those to figure out the real math and see that crime happens at the same rate. Like, stop. And let me point this out. There are plenty of groups and Black leaders trying to fight crime in our inner cities. The news doesn't report on that, though. It, they don't. It's like it's not happening. And again, that's part of the problem with the media. The media knows that people don't really care when something peaceful and good is going on in the black community. It's only when negative things happen that it gets media attention. That y'all, that is something terribly wrong with the media in our country. And then you hear, well, if they would just comply. This wouldn't happen. Really? What about Breonna Taylor? Breonna Taylor, 26-year-old EMT worker, asleep in her fucking bed. And you know what? The police did a no-knock warrant, came in her house, and they already had the suspect they were looking for in fucking custody. Fuck out of here. What about Oscar Grant? Let's take it back a little bit. Oscar Grant had cuffs on his back. He was like trying to figure out why they cuffed him. And the officer said he was going for his taser, even though Oscar Grant was already in cuffs. He said he was going for his taser, but he ended up shooting Oscar in his fucking back. And what about Tamir Rice? Eight-year-old little boy in the park playing with a BB gun. Officers literally pulled up on the scene and in a matter of seconds, they killed him. <clears throat> Y'all. And you know what? For the record, when a black person kills another black person, they're not doing it based on the color of their skin. And you know, honestly, what's happening in our inner cities could be contributed to slavery because if you haven't, already read the Willie Lynch letter, go read that because it will explain a lot of what's wrong in our community. And it, and it really, we can use that to start to pinpoint racial brainwashing, right? And then the very last piece of it, this argument that I want to throw out is, and this is very important. If a citizen commits a murder, they go to jail. An officer commits a murder. Yeah, most of the time it's administrative leave or fire from the force, at best. Come on, y'all. It's not the same. Stop using that dumbass argument, right? 
Now, the next two, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> these may piss you off, but, you know, it's often said that the truth hurts. So, I don't support Black Lives Matter, Carmen. I support Blue Lives Matter, because they do. And here's a question for you. Do you believe that Blue Lives Matter? Yes. Of course. All lives do matter. But... When it comes to Blue Lives Matter, here's the thing. They chose to become cops. I didn't choose my race at birth. Even though if I could, I would still want to be black, if I'm just being honest. Now, in the same sense, even though I'm saying they chose their profession, am I saying that these men and women deserve to be directly or indirectly targeted to be hurt or given a hard time because they're cops? Not in the slightest. Because these people have families and people that care for them and they have lives as well. But so does the men and women that's being murdered during traffic stops or for mild offenses. And honestly, if you have fear of confrontation, being a cop, maybe the job isn't for you. Because the saying, I fear for my life, is usually the common excuse for killing an unarmed citizen. So... Maybe you're in the wrong profession, buddy. And while I'm on the police, let's talk a little for those who don't know, right? I think only my closest friends and family knows about this. But in 2017, I actually applied to the Fort Worth, ooh, Fort Worth Police Department. Yeah, a little bit of background, right? And I was accepted to take the physical test and the written test. Well, Carmen, if you feel so strongly against the police, <clears throat> why? Why did you apply, right? So I thought that the biggest way I could make a difference was joining the force and being that cop that made a difference. I wanted to show like we could really build the like bridge the gap and hopefully get put in a neighborhood within the African-American community. Right. I wanted to be that cop. However, my friends and family were totally against it and I decided to go a different way. But anyway, let's get to the next one, right? This saying kind of, when I hear people say it, I just be like, <laughs> I do like an awkward ass smile. When people look at me and be like, you know what? I don't see color. Really? Are you colorblind? You blind? Like, you don't see color? Because saying I don't see color is actually really problematic. Because saying you don't see color is like saying everything is equal. If everything was equal, this statement would be fine. But black people have been arrested for literally just sitting in a Starbucks. Or black people have been followed in their apartment building because certain white people feel like they don't belong there. Or what about the black student, <clears throat> Harvard student? She either went to Harvard or Yale, y'all. I want to say it's Harvard. But she was told by the police that they get to decide who gets to be there and don't. After they were called because a white female student decided she would call the police because this young lady fell asleep in the common room. In the common room on a college campus. Y'all, when I lived on campus, people fell asleep everywhere. It was never against the norm to see somebody sleep. Like, so that shit was ridiculous anyway. But... <laughs> What about the woman who called the police on the black family who was using the hotel pool? 
And this woman didn't even check if they were guests first. She just called the police and said something along the lines of, well, you people always use the pool, even if you aren't guests or something like that. It, and this happened at the Hilton. So let's just let's not let's not act as if black people aren't seen as threats and problems in the most basic life situations. And like people don't act like we don't belong in certain places. Like, seriously, you can support all races without wearing rose-colored glasses. Stop saying you don't see color. So, <laughs> there's that, right? And I want to touch on this, too. The removal of Confederate flags and statues being brought down and banned at certain places. People are losing their fucking mind. Like, I really, this guy posted a video and was like, that's my history and that's my heritage. Okay. That's your history and your heritage. Well, first thing first, the South fucking lost the war. <laughs> so why are we glorifying the Confederate soldiers in the first place? Like, hey, they lost, but participation matters. So let's build them a statue. The fuck? They lost. Get over it. And on top of that, you want to continue to glorify your heritage that was rooted in hatred? You want to continue to glorify the fact that they wanted to keep an entire race enslaved? Explain, because I'm hella confused by this. Well, not really. In my eyes, if you really are this upset about these statues and the Confederate flag being taken down, I feel like you're just as racist as your ancestors. And if you can change my mind, please try. <laughs> then you hear people say, well, you can't erase history. Now that is 100% true because history forgotten is often history repeated, hence why we're here now. But if you guys feel this serious about these statues, put them in a fucking history museum. <laughs> like you still learn about it in school, so nobody's erasing that. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Detroit, they're just now taking down a whipping post. The fuck? Like, y'all, like, these symbols from history and things that happen, put it in a museum. It doesn't need to be out in the open. Like, hey, you know we used to tie niggers to that there whipping post and whip their ass? Like, what the fuck? What is wrong with y'all? And further fucking more, how is it okay for you to keep a symbol of hate by hanging these Confederate flags and leaving up these statues. But when it comes to my history and my heritage, it's a fucking problem. The Black Panther flag, the Black Power Fist, both symbols of actual unity and hope, but these things have been banned or seen as guerrilla symbols. And just a little bit more knowledge for those in the Black for those in the back. When the Black Panther Party was in full effect and the Black community was taking care of its own and getting back on track, what happened? The Black Panther Party became public enemy number one. And our communities were robbed of its leaders of that time. And then the Black Panther Party was banned. Once again, you can look all this up. And if you do decide to look this up, read something other than the views of supremacists or news like papers that were so against the Black Panther Party. Read something other than work that was written to diminish the work of these Black men. Oh, 
and white men and women were with the Black Panthers. Like there were black men and women and white men and women in the Black Panther Party. So don't tell me it was a superiority racial group. It was not. They accepted everyone, if you want to be honest. If I'm not mistaken, there was Asians a part of the Black Panther Party as well. And other races. But anyway, um, but you know what? I've never seen a black KKK member. And the KKK was bombing black churches, setting people houses on fire, setting crosses on fire in their yards, lynching black people. But this group is still up and fucking running. But people want to tell me there's no racial disparity in America. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Y'all, standing up for what you believe in is what this country was founded on. How many wars did America fight in the name of freedom? And I'm not saying this is the same as a war, but it is a fight for basic human decency for all. Because in actuality, no one, Black, Hispanic, White, Asian, anyone unarmed should be killed by the police. So we're actually fighting for the freedom to live and that will trickle down to help you. And guys, as Hamilton was released today on Disney Plus, I'll leave this segment with this. History has its eyes on you. So what side of history are you going to be on? All right, guys. So stay tuned for our next portion, which is the dedication. And we'll be right back. start with 1956 for our generation. This was the beginning of the rise of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King decided that in Montgomery, Alabama, black people had to pay the same prices on the buses as did white people, but we had to sit in the back. And we could only sit in the back if every available seat was taken by a white person. If a white person was standing, a black person could not sit. So Dr. King and his associates got together and said, this is inhuman. We will boycott your bus system. Now understand what a boycott is. A boycott is a passive act. It is the most passive political act that anyone can commit, a boycott. Because what the boycott was doing was simply saying, we will not ride your buses. No sort of antagonism. It was not even verbally violent. It was peaceful. Dr. King's policy was that nonviolence would achieve the gains for black people in the United States. His major assumption was that if you are nonviolent, if you suffer, your opponent will see your suffering and will be moved to change his heart. That's very good. He only made one fallacious assumption. In order for nonviolence to work, your opponent must have a conscience. The United States has none. There are cases of nonviolence moment. Dr. Dr. King is a great man, full of compassion. He is full of mercy and he is uh, very patient. He is a man who could accept the uncivilized behavior of white Americans, their unceasing taunts, and still have in his heart forgiveness. 
Unfortunately, I am from a younger generation. I am not as patient as Dr. King, nor am I as merciful as Dr. King. And their unwillingness to deal with someone like Dr. King just means they have to deal with this young generation. Alright guys, so welcome back to the journey of the black elephant. So guys, we are back with the dedication. For those of you who don't know exactly what the dedication is, if this is your first time listening, let me tell you what this segment is about. This segment is where we highlight an important figure in our history or someone who's in current times making a difference and being a voice, right? So the voice you just heard leading into this segment was Stokely Carmichael, or he was also known as Kwame Tour, right? So who was Stokely Carmichael? Stokely Carmichael was a prominent organizer in the civil rights movement here in the U.S., right? He was a global pan, he was also a global pan-Africanist. Um, he was in on that movement. He was born June 29th, 1941 in Trinidad, and him and his family moved to the U.S. when he was 11, and he lived in the Bronx. And honestly, Stokely became an activist very early in life. He was still attending high school. And he would later develop the Black Power Movement, and he used his provocative speeches and his excellent writings to popularize it. But before that, he was actually leading the Student Nonviolent Coordination Committee, or was known as the SNCC, where he was actually one of the OG Freedom Riders in 1961. Suckley Carmichael would later serve as an honor honorary prime minister for the Black Panther Party. And then he became a leader for the All African People's Revolutionary Party. And get this, he was also a major player in the fight for voting rights in Mississippi and Alabama. This man did a lot, y'all. And I'm really just scratching the surface because there's so much about Stokely Carmichael, right? So as a lot of uh, Stokely's work was inspired from Malcolm X, <laughs> Uh, he was not for begging for anything. He believed that white people could not be the ones to give black people a voice when it came to civil rights. And of course, because, you know, his inspiration was Michael Max, he's on the other side of Martin Luther King. And let me just give you guys one of Stokely's quotes so you can kind of see the mindset, right? If you didn't get it from the quote that, well, the clip that I used to open up this segment. So he said, our grandfathers had to run, run, run. My generation is out of breath. We ain't running no more. He was like, it's time to stop running. We want justice. Like, we want justice for now and justice for the people that came before us. Right? Because having liberty and freedom, it's our right by birth. But y'all, as Stokely Carmichael would seem as Michael X's successor, because he's very popular and very controversial in the 1960s, Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Tour ended up being targeted by the FBI. Yes, the FBI targeted him for personal destruction through its uh, COINTELPRO or C-O-I-N-T-E-L P.R.O. program. And if you don't know what that is, let me tell y'all, this program within the FBI was the main focus. The main focus of this was following black activists. 
The program promoted slander and violence against those who Edgar J. Hoover considered to be enemies of the U.S. government. Y'all, they've been against us uniting for so fucking long. They constantly found ways to discredit, arrest, and have our leaders killed. And then, you know what? People still have the nerve to say, oh, the black community needs more leaders. Well, tell your fucking government to stop killing and prosecuting them, and we would have them. But anyway, guys, back to this. So with the horrible lies, the constant surveillance, and he was being blamed for riots, especially the D.C. riot in 1968 after Martin Luther King was assassinated. He had a lot like piling up on him. And y'all, I don't know how true this is, but I love uh, Huey P. Newton as well. And it was said that he suggested that Carmichael was uh, actually a CIA agent. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because I don't want to come back to this. But once um, Stokely Carmichael was in Africa in July 1969, after he had been there a year, Carmichael published a formal rejection of the Black Panthers, condemning them for not being separatists enough and for their dogmatic party line favoring allies with white radicals. <sighs> And the reason I went ahead and skipped, um, I am going to backtrack and tell you about him getting to Africa and everything like that. Um, but y'all, unity is so needed because we can't keep fighting within our community while trying to fight for justice and freedom because y'all, we won't have the energy. But as I love these men both so much, I won't dwell on this. Um so with all that was going on with Kwame, the surveillance, the falling out with the Black Panther Party, the being blamed in the media for riots and violence against police, um, Kwame did decide to leave the U.S. and he found refuge in Africa. First, he lived in Ghana. And then I think he went to. Um, OK, why well, can't I think of where he went? You went mm, Ghana? Yeah, in 1969. And it was then that he took the name Kwame Tour. Kwame Tour, um, he took that name from Kwame, from Kwame Nrugma, Ghana's first president after they um, received independence. And the other name, I really don't want to mispronounce this, y'all, but it was a uh, president of another African country, Um and I just, I, I hate mispronouncing African names. I feel like it's very disrespectful. So I'm not going to even try, but that's where he got the last name tour from. Um, and he was actually seen as an honorary co-president in this, um, this African country. So let's get back to that. Um, so once he got there, he started lobbying for revolutionary socialist pan-Africanism. And guys, I touched on Pan-Africanism in season two. So if you need a refresher, please feel free to go back and take a listen. But once he was um, settled in Africa, the final 30 years of his life, Kwame Tour was dedicated and devoted to the All-African People Revolutionary Party. And his mentor, 
Kwame Nrukma had many ideas for unifying the African continent. And Stokely extended the scope of those ideas to the entire African diaporia. Y'all, <laughs> I wish I could give y'all so much more on Stokely Carmichael and his life. And it would take a lot of time to do that, which don't get me wrong. He deserves all of it. Right. But I want to charge you guys to do some research on your own. If you get the time, please read one of his two books. The first one he wrote was Ready for Revolution. And the second one was Stokely Speaks, Black Power, Back to Pan-Africanism. You can also hear about him in the documentary, um, The Black Power Mixtape, 1967 through 1975. Guys, Stokely Carmichael died November 15th, 1998 from prostate cancer. I want to leave you guys with this quote from Stokely Carmichael. He said, it is a call for black people in this country to unite, to recognize their heritage, to build a sense of community. It is a call for black people to define their own goals, to lead their own organizations. All right. So, guys, that is it for the dedication. We actually have our newest segment coming up next. So stay tuned to the journey of a black elephant. I'll be right back. Okay, guys, so we are back with our newest segment here at the Journey of a Black Elephant, and it's called Tea from the Watering Hole. Okay, so this new segment is basically our pop culture segment where we'll recount things that has happened or not happened this week and just kind of highlight what's going on, right? Keep you guys updated. So first things first, Breonna Taylor's murderers still haven't been arrested, so... Let's keep that going. Also, this week, a violent vigil was being held for Elijah McClain in um, Aurora, Colorado. And it was peaceful. And they did like a peaceful march. And let me just throw this in there, too. Um, during the violin vigil, you had kids playing a violin, kids present at the park. And the same cops who murdered Elijah back in 2019 decided to show up in riot gear. Y'all let that sink in. They showed up in riot gear and told the group that they could not assemble in the park. In a public park. They didn't give any other reason than that. And they said that, you know, there's no video footage of this, even though you can see multiple people's account from what happened. You don't see this on camera, but I'm not going to say it didn't happen. Um, it was said that a small group of people started throwing sticks and rocks at the cops, which caused them to start using tear gas and made them go into full push everybody out of the park mode. Y'all, it was really heartbreaking to see these videos on Twitter. Like y'all motherfuckers wild as fuck. Like they were peacefully playing violins because that's what Elijah would like to do. He would like to go to the animal shelter and play the violin for the animals there and that's the most beautiful, purest thing I've heard in a while. Um, and I'm, I heard that Elijah was on the autism spectrum and they didn't know how to handle him. And y'all, that whole stuff, it's always heartbreaking when you hear something like this. Um, 
But for their community to come together and try to remember this young man, this young man's life, and the police show up in riot gear is so disrespectful. It's disrespectful as hell. Like, how? How do y'all even have the conscience to do some shit like that? This is and this is what we mean when we say they need to be defunded. But y'all keep saying their names, Elijah McClain and Brianna Taylor, because they do deserve justice. No matter what. Also, <laughs> Iran issued a warrant for President Donald Trump. Y'all, the President of the United States has a fucking warrant. <laughs> if y'all don't remember, back in January, the U.S. did deploy a drone to kill one of Iran's most prominent generals. Right? And now Iran is like, oh, no, nah, we want him as soon as his presidency is up. <sighs> yeah. So it just trips me out when I read that headline. It was like, President Donald Trump has a warrant issued from Iran. I was like, wow. Wow. But anyway, it's also coming out that President Trump sold U.S. soldiers. Or not even that he sold them, but... He allowed Russia to put bounties on the heads of U.S. soldiers, right? Um, in the recent report, it was reported that Trump ignored an official intelligence finding warning that um, the Russian GRU military unit had placed bounties on the heads of U.S. and British soldiers in Afghanistan. Like, Trump... He never denied that there was such an intelligence finding and that it was presented in February or possibly even earlier. And when he was asked, okay, well, Mr. President, why didn't you act on this? Him and his administration first claimed that the intelligence was weak and inconclusive. But of course, when people found out that was a lie and they came back, Trump decided to say, well, he wasn't told about it. So which one is it? You wasn't told or it was inconclusive. And many people think that Trump ignored it because of his connection with Vladimir Putin. Like, I don't understand how his supporters are still like he's still the best president, but let's move on. Um, and some people are saying he just wasn't paying attention when his intelligence officers briefed him. Now, it could be one, it could be the other, or it could be both, but either way, the commander-in-chief of the U.S. failed to protect U.S. military personnel. People that's out here saving their countries, they have bounties on their heads, and our president did nothing to ensure that they would be fine. And of course, as always, Trump is calling this a hoax. Guys, and then on top of that, some sunshine is coming out where the president is going to have to do something positive, right? It was, um, and let me say this, guys, I'm all for Brown Lives Matter as well. I stand with the Hispanic community on this. Um, Trump has been ordered to release detained migrant children, and he must do so very soon. And, you know, I don't really care for the arguments on immigrants. Especially not in this country, because honestly, the large majority of us are immigrants and we're not native to this land. And I don't know who originally said this, but I heard this on a Hamilton mixtape. It's astonishing in a country that was founded by immigrants 
immigrant has somehow become a bad word. But you know what? Anyway, so honestly, y'all, it's not only time to defund the police in America, but it's also time to defund ICE as well. The fuck? <laughs> but that's another convo for another day. And as these stories to continue to unfold, I'll keep y'all updated. Okay. But can we uh can we please make sure that we get this man out of the White House in November? Please and thank you. And I want to put this out there as well. I want to mention that the black um the blackout coalition on Facebook has planned an economic blackout on July 7th. What that means is they are asking people um, of color, all people of color, not to spend any money on that day. So if you've been asking, how can you make a change? How can you be involved without having to be a foot soldier, as we call them? Um, join in the simplest ways on July 7th and not spend any, any money. All right? So keep that in mind. Circle it on your calendar. Here we go. Also, I don't know if, you know, you guys know or not, but the coronavirus did not leave with the heat like a lot of people said. And we are seeing cases spike and surge all over the country. Right. And I'm doing a serious side eye right now. Guys, you have two choices. Wear the damn mask or stay at home. And that's simple as fuck. Y'all, some people are starting to lose their damn minds because they have to wear a mask. This lady was in a store with her child and she was upset that they were trying to get her to wear a mask. Someone started recording. And she's like, oh, record this. And then she walked up to the lady and coughed on her. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something. I'm a peaceful person. But yo, this lady got life completely fucked up and I, I, I would have had to show her something like we're in the middle of a pandemic and for you to do something like that, honestly, right now that's being seen as assault and multiple people have been arrested for doing this. Y'all, I know a lot of people don't believe that COVID is real for many reasons. And I know people, the other side of that is, I know people who have lost loved ones due to COVID. I know people who have been infected with COVID. Even if you don't agree or think that this is real, Numbers are still on the rise and people are dying. Wear the fucking mask and wash your damn hands. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right. Keep it safe. Keep it simple. And please protect yourself and those around you. All right. So, guys, really, that's it that I have for this week's Tea from the Watering Hole. Stay tuned. We're going to do the episode wrap up and I'll be right back. all right guys so we are back with the last segment in this episode if you guys have rocked with me throughout this whole episode i want to say thank you and i appreciate you and i love you um but yeah, guys, before I wrap up this episode, I want to talk about why we here at The Journey of a Black Elephant supports Black Lives Matter. I mean, besides the obvious. Um, it's very simple, right? Growing up, I heard stories of racism from my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my mom, 
I've experienced it myself. I remember my papa told me this story. Um, he was at the beach, and yes, my papa told me he was drunk. <laughs> um, he said he was at the beach and he walked past some white women on towels, and you know, they were laying on their backs, I think he said, but they were laying on the towel, and he walked past and said, Hey, baby, I think you've done enough on that side. Why don't you turn over and get some sun on the other side or something like that? And these white women told the police. The police approached my grandfather and my grandmother and their friends and was trying to arrest my grandfather. Now, my granddaddy never quite made it clear if they were trying to arrest him because he was drunk on the beach or because of what the white women said. But either way, the fact that a white woman could go and be like, this black man said this to me and the police would go find him, you know, that kind of showed the times. But my granddaddy said that the police walked up to him and was trying to arrest him. And one of them pulled his uh, nightclub or billy stick. And my granddaddy, being who he was, <laughs> he uh, he told him, if you uh, try to use that damn stick on me, boy, your mama got to cash your chips in. And <laughs> long story short, my grandfather was arrested. And my grandfather was a very like funny storyteller, right? I probably didn't do that story any justice. But... And I think when he told me, I originally laughed because of the way he said it and everything like that. And I don't think I fully understood what happened and how easily the situation could have left my Mima a widow. You know what I mean? This hatred and fear, and I do say fear because people tend to fear what they don't understand. It's like people act like black people are this foreign alien species or something. But this hatred is deep rooted and you hear all these excuses as to why black people are treated less than like it like there is a real valid excuse for that. It's really tiring to explain to Gianni that he has to be gentle enough to not be seen as a threat. But at the same time, he's not to let people treat him any kind of way. You know what I mean? Especially because of his race. And then I have to tell him how to interact with the police to try to make it back home because we've seen people comply and still not make it back to their families. Y'all, raising black children in this country is, is scary and it's draining. And, you know, I'm trying to fight this fight in the most productive way possible because I'm telling y'all right now, anything ever happens to my child due to racism, I will burn this fucking entire country down with a lot of fucking malice. And I'm not singing We Shall Overcome. I'm singing Ring the Alarm. So I'm trying to do what I can in my power now to peacefully help, you know what I'm saying, change what's going on in our country. Because no, no parent wants to get the call that their child has been killed in the street by the police or by anybody, but let alone the people that's supposed to protect and serve them. Nobody wants that call. But as we've seen so many people die and we've seen so many hashtags with Black Lives Matter because these people are killed by the police, it puts it in the back of your mind that that could have easily been my kid. That could have easily been me. You know what I mean? But on another note, when I am called back to the heavenly realm, I also want to know that I made a difference especially for those who look like me. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to make a difference on a global scale, but I really want to make a difference for those who look like me because like when my time is up, I want to know that I've done enough. 
And, you know, it's really unfortunate that you don't get to really see the fruit of your legacy, right? You really leave that legacy for those behind you. And I just hope that when they tell my story that I've done enough because, you know, you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. <laughs> yeah, I slipped in another Hamilton reference. But, you know, another thing is when my son is old enough, I want him to be to be protesting a new fight if he so chooses. Not the same fight that my great grandparents, my grandparents, my mom, me, that we had to fight. No, <laughs> y'all, this has to end with the millennials and Generation Z because Generation Alpha should not have to fight this fight. This should not be on their shoulders. Like this shit should be done and over with, should have been done and over with, but they shouldn't have to fight this fight. Like let them fight for world peace or environmental rights, something, but y'all not this. All right. So if you're listening to the journey of a black elephant at this point, if you're not black and you want to know what you can do to help or how you can be an ally, listen, listen to what we want as a collective and stop letting the media tell you that we want to be better than or that we're all extremists. It's not that. Seriously, it's not. And let me just say that we don't care about The Bachelor having its first black person on there. Like, I don't even watch the fucking the fucking bachelor the fuck we don't care about an episode of golden girls being canceled due to fake blackface it was the episode when blanche and rose were doing the mud mask and the black family came in that uh dorothy's son was marrying into whatever the point is we didn't ask for that to be canceled like that was fake blackface like <laughs> we didn't ask for streets to be painted we didn't ask for you know our elected officials to put on african cloth and kneel we didn't ask for y'all to take the word master out of master bedrooms we simply asked for reform on somatic racism sorry systematic said that wrong but that's it and we asked to be to stop being killed by cops we're asking for accountability when an unarmed black person is killed we're asking for longer training with the police and to have them truly learn how to de-escalate a situation. We're asking for racism to subside in this country because the blatant display is not just infuriating, it's also really discouraging. Stop trying to pacify Stop trying to pacify us with things we don't care about nor ask for. Start working on this racism though. Because my child deserves to live a life where he isn't afraid of a simple traffic stop. His life matters. All right. So, guys, that's really it for this week's episode. So, make sure you guys are following us on our new Twitter page, which is at the J-O-A-B-E podcast. And on Facebook, The Journey of a Black Elephant. And guys, we still have t-shirts. I think it's only a day or two left to order the LGBT uh, shirts that went with our last episode. Um, So those are up for sale. We do have our regular Journey of a Black Elephant t-shirts up as well. So make sure you guys go check those out. Um, Our topic for next week is what's your toxic traits? (laughs) That should be fun. 
maybe not for me as I'll have to be vulnerable and open, but you guys should have fun (laughs) with that episode. But guys, I hope you have a marvelous week and I hope the sun shines just a little bit brighter for you. And before I get out of here, here is my last Hamilton reference for this episode, right? Raise a glass to freedom, something they could never take away. And no matter what they tell you, Let's have another one tonight. Raise a glass to the four of us. Tomorrow, there'll be more of us telling the story of tonight. Guys, if you get a chance, go watch Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I love Hamilton, and it's finally on Disney+. Plus. So, guys, make sure you check that out. But anyway, guys, I love you, and I appreciate you so much for taking the journey with me. And I'll see you guys next week. And as always, continue the journey.